0: This is the Sooner Schooner Show from Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I am Eric G. from 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. And please do us a favor, rate us five stars, give us a review, tell us what you like, what you don't like. Remember, all constructive criticism is welcome here on the Sooner Schooner Show. And we can only get better when you tell us the things that we need to improve. Coming up on this week's episode... We'll dive into Barry Tramble's column about NIL versus facilities, and what Barry had to say, what I agree with, and where I think that college football is headed in the way of personnel departments. But for the most part throughout the show this week, we're gonna be discussing spring football because it got into action officially this week. And as of the recording of this show, There's been one spring football practice, I think maybe two at the most, and there's a lot to discuss with this upcoming spring. Like, first and foremost, if you are an OU football fan, one of the biggest things you've got to be doing backflips over this spring is the fact that all but one of Brent Venable's staff from last year is returning this year. Now, you may be one of those skeptics who... Weren't really happy with the way that OU played and finished the season at 6-7, and and guess what? I feel you. Totally feel you on that. But in a day and age of college football that is so easily disrupted, not just by coaching moves, but by the transfer portal, any continuity you can have in your program is a major plus. All you have to do is look up the road to Stillwater, And you can see that Mike Gundy is going through his second defensive coordinator in two years. He also had a ton of kids bail out on him. And Oklahoma State is scrambling to figure out just how good or not good they are going to be for the upcoming fall. Now, OU suffers from some of this as well. Let's be completely honest here. Brent Venables pointed out there are 26 kids that are on campus this semester... That haven't played for OU, that haven't been a haven't been through a spring for OU, and that's one of the major issues that you've got in college football is when December rolls around. You finished up the year in a normal way, or or how college football used to be done. I'll put it that way. I don't think there's any such thing as, as normal in this world. And personally, I prefer when things aren't normal. Uh, but in a in a day and age where you had a lot more control over your players and there was no transfer portal, you have a situation where whether it was Bob Stoops, Barry Switzer, Bud Wilkinson for sure, could all go back into their office in December and in January and look at what they had for either spring or fall and say, okay, well, we've got this guy coming back or we've got these two guys coming back that might actually fight it out for a position. Nowadays, you don't do it. Nowadays, you don't have that because you now have to go back and scramble and say to yourself at the end of December, okay, so who's in the portal? Who's not in the portal? Who exactly are we recruiting? What are we doing with this scholarship? Is this a position we need experience at or can we roll with one of these guys that we're bringing in because we think that he's ultra talented? You're constantly pushing the reset button. And I think about Arkansas. Arkansas is another staff I think about this year. And we obviously talk about Arkansas a lot on our show because we're in green country and there are a lot of Arkansas fans. But it also bears mentioning that Arkansas could be one of OU's rivalries in in the SEC once OU makes that move. Sam Pittman has a whole brand new staff this year. He lost his offensive coordinator and his defensive coordinator, had to replace both those guys. Uh, it was well publicized. The Kendall Bryles split Arkansas and has now gone down to TCU. So for, for Brent Venables, he was wise. Oh, I should mention this real quick. Arkansas does have a new strength coach. So for OU, all the kids that stayed, for Brent Venables, there is a familiarity of what the strength coach does, what your DC does, what what Jeff Lebby does at offensive coordinator. Should mention the DC is Ted Roof, but you know how all these guys work. You know what to expect from them. They know what your expectations are as far as how they need to go out and coach players and what they need to be ready for every single week. They also know what are the most important things to your program? What has to be worked on every single day? And in an era where you're just bringing in kids, you know, in and out, left and right throughout a program, it's very important just to have something that you know is familiar and something that you know, okay, when when I go sit down in the office and Ted Roof comes in, he's going to tell me, here's the things that we're doing today. Here's what we need to work on. Jeff Levy's going to tell me what's going on, and I don't have to try and go around this spring and re-coach every single one of my my coaches. So for that, at least with OU, is something we should all feel good about is the continuity coming back into this. Now, the 26 new players that are coming in, that is a little bothersome. And I don't think that that says so much about the program as much as it just says, this is college football. And the way college football is going to have to work from now until the end of time is you are going to have to almost, you're going to have to run. Like if Brent Venables were to leave, okay, whether he was fired or whether he just left on his own, if I were Joe Castiglione, and this probably goes against everything Joe Castiglione has ever thought about how to run a college football program, I would go look for a guy who had NFL experience either as a coordinator or a head coach, and just wanted to be a part of the college game. I would sit down and talk with him and say, okay, build me your your perfect idea of what an NFL organization looks like. From top to bottom, are you in complete control? Do you have a GM? What do your scouts look like? How does your player development work? Um, your your pro personnel wing versus your college personnel wing. Tell me how you would divide those up. And then I would tell that guy if he wanted the job, okay, that's how I want you to run the program. I want you to find essentially a pro personnel wing that scouts kids in the transfer portal. That is their job. They scout every kid that comes into the transfer portal. They know their, their ins and outs, whether or not it's somebody you want. And then... I want a high school. I want a high school player development. That their job is to watch film of high school kids. And that's all they do. And then you and your coaches get together with the portal kids and with the kids you've got from high school. And remember, you've only got 25 scholarships. And then you figure out who you're going to recruit and who you're not going to recruit. And go after them and... Figure out how you can make the best deals. And we'll talk about making the best deals coming up here in just, in, in just a moment based on what uh, Barry Trammell had to say. But that's where we're going in in college football. And Brent Vittables knows if he wants any chance to compete in the SEC, if you have any hope of playing for a national title, you're going to have to work the transfer portal as well, if not better, than what you're working high school kids. Okay. And, and yeah, it would be great that if you could talk a kid into coming to OU, he gets here as a freshman. Maybe he redshirts. He's okay with redshirting. Maybe he's going to stay here four years. Okay. That's pushing it. But three, if he's got any NFL hope. But you're hoping that he wants to develop. And most kids today don't want that. They want to immediately go out and play. And if they're not getting the playing time that they think they deserve, then they're on the first thing smoking. And you as a coach have got to decide. This is where it sucks to be a coach. You've got to decide, do I recruit that kid the way that I recruited them in high school? Do I keep kissing their ass? Do I keep telling them how great they are? And if you just stay right here, things are going to work out to your advantage? Or do I let that kid go because he's not worth my time and there might be somebody better in the portal or in high school, that I can give that scholarship to. That's what you've got to decide when somebody goes into the portal. And real quick, I, I'll just hit real quick right here on Porter Moser. You lose a guy like uh, Cortez uh, out, out, of the ba- out of the basketball program, Bijan Cortez. My, uh, from everything I understand, Porter Moser loves this kid and thinks that he would get some playing time at OU. But he's a great example. When you look at what he did during his time at OU, there's really not a whole lot that he has to show anybody that he's talking with in in the transfer portal. And if you're Porter Moser, the best thing to do is just sit down with this kid and have an honest conversation about where do you think you're going to go, that you're going to get better playing time than what you're getting here because what you got here wasn't all that impressive. You're lucky to have a scholarship. And yes, you be that harsh, even if you love him. You tell him how lucky you are to have a scholarship and you're willing to keep footing the bill for them to get their their degree. You're, keep, you're willing to keep them on because, hey, man, you work hard and we appreciate you being around. But if you want to jump in the portal, there's a very good chance that you will not end up with an offer that's even remotely close. To what you're getting now. You know, maybe you'll be lucky to end up at a place like ORU where they go to the NCAA tournament, but you could end up someplace worse off than that in in a one big league that you've never been before. That's how you handle it with basketball players. And you do the same thing with football players. Kids have got to know what their value is. And there's nothing wrong with showing them a little tough love or being harsh for lack of a better term, when you're dealing with kids and their future and and, and what's going in and out. And finally, uh, final thought, I love the fact that uh, Seth Luttrell has come aboard at OU and he's getting the opportunity to coach again. You know, Quite frankly, it was a joke, an absolute joke, that he was fired from North Texas. The guy had a winning record, been to a lot of bowl games, I have no idea what their AD is thinking, but dude, you're North Texas for crying out loud. And for the 50 years of my life, they have had a couple of good teams, but it hadn't been consistently good. And for being in the DFW area and having as much access to talent as you do, North Texas hasn't exactly burned them up in any conference that they've been in. They were lucky to have Seth Luttrell. So whether Seth Luttrell moves out of the analyst type role and either gets elevated to a position or a coordinator spot at OU, I'd be happy for him. But honestly, what I'm rooting for is he gets the rebound and gets the opportunity to go run another program. You're listening to the Sooner Schooner Show on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Coming up next, is it facilities or is it NIL? What is OU going to have to do to survive in the SEC? We'll explain next. Thank you for listening to the Sooner Schooner Show this week via the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. Barry Trammell, always bang on. Anytime this this guy writes a column, I am all in. I, I'm going to go so far as to say that when it comes to scribes, and this is nothing against Bill Haston, whom I love, or Kelly Hines, who does a great job at the Tulsa World, or Eric Bailey, or you know Ryan Aberd, you know none of the Nothing against any of these people whom I have on my show regularly and think are very talented individuals. But I am convinced that in Oklahoma, when it comes to sports, Barry Trammell is the smartest man we have because of how well he lays out his arguments and his opinions in his column. He does an excellent job. He also does an excellent job on radio of laying everything out. There was a column that he wrote, I can't remember if it was Sunday or it was Monday, but it was it was sometime this week. And he essentially, the headline posed the question, is it facilities or is it NIL? What do you have to be more vested in if you're a college football program? What is going to help you get the best players? And Barry basically said, hey, it's both. It, it can't be one or the other. You've got to be all in on facilities and you've got to be all in on the NIL. OU is definitely in, all in on facilities. There's not any question about that. You're about to spend $175 million to improve football facilities that are just seven years old. You're in. You, you've always been in. For, for the most part, OU has been in on the arms race. At times, they've lagged, and you can certainly argue that the non-revenue sports don't get everything that they need to succeed in terms of facilities, facilities, but, hey, football has to come first. And, and Joe Castiglione, the Board of Regents, you know, President you know, Harris, who, who's ever in charge, has nothing to apologize for when choosing football over softball, over track, over baseball, whatever. Football has to come first, and things have to trickle down from football. All that being said, when it comes to facilities, OU is doing the right thing because there has to be something tangible. When you bring a kid on campus, you can't just give him the idea of, ooh, here's what it's going to look like. That this is what the facility is going to look like, and here's what you know your, your NIL deal. Here's what we can possibly do. No, both things. Both things have to be put in front of them in a way that they can touch it and they can feel it. It's not just about visualizing it. It's about actually seeing it for yourself, and facilities OU has. And with all the collectives that, that OU has thrown out, they seem to be pretty committed to the NIL as well, but you're going to have to continue to up your game in the NIL until there are rules set set in place. You know, I said last week, if I was a college basketball program, I'm rolling dirty. If I want to compete in college basketball, I'm as dirty as I can be. I'm lining the pockets of the AAU coaches. I'm lining the pockets of the kids. I'm doing whatever I have to do to to get the best talent to be on my campus for a year. And then I want to go as far as I can in the NCAA tournament. And when I say roll dirty now, I don't even know what that entails because the NIL opens a lot of this up for you to promise kids things that you can actually deliver on that once were illegal. Same thing with football. You can make outrageous promises now, deliver on these promises, give them to these kids, and if it's a five-star, four-star athlete, there's nothing for you to feel guilty about because your job is to win. And now you have to approach the NIL with the attitude that the NCAA is going to need to stop you or tell you this is what you can't do. And you shouldn't be afraid of the NCAA right now. There's no reason to, because they're not going to hammer anyone because it's just too early in the process. We've already seen some schools get in trouble for NIL, but they're mainly minor violations, or at least very little penalty was handed out. So if you're OU, you do what you think is within the in the rules or within a gray area. That's what you have to do. You're you're in a you're you're in a time where you have to outbid players. You're going to have to outbid LSU on some guys. Georgia, Florida, Alabama, whoever. You're, you're, that's the way you win football. Brent Venables doesn't need to feel guilty about it. He may not like it. Joe Castiglione doesn't need to feel guilty about it, although he may not like it. And if you've got these collectives who essentially go out and represent universities then they've got to help you in the recruiting process even though that's illegal because that's how you get a Bolitnikoff winner to leave Pitt and come to USC. And you've got to ask yourself, do I always want to do things right and come up on the short end of the stick, or ultimately do I want to bend the rules a little bit and win? The answer's pretty obvious on that one. You want to bend the rules and win. As long as you can look at yourself in the mirror, as long as you don't believe you are being unethical, and I know what you're saying, well, wait a second, if you're bending the rules or breaking them, aren't you being unethical? Not necessarily. I'm not talking about doing what Alabama has done by putting basketball players on the floor that may have been involved in a murder, even though there's new evidence out there still from a PR standpoint, it would have been better if Brandon Miller and Everyone that was at the scene that night was was removed from playing in games, so the season wouldn't be about them. It would actually be about basketball. You don't have to go that far, but if you do have alumni that can help out with NIL, car dealerships, restaurants, clothing stores, you know, mechanics, like I I don't care what the business is, but if they can help put a kid on a billboard or they can help put a kid in a commercial, and it's gonna help that kid make some money, and more importantly, it's going to get that kid to come to your school, then do it. If, if that's all they want... Now, I always say beware the kids that are only interested in NIL because they're the ones that are going to leave you the first sign something is wrong. But that's how you have to do it right now. Go out and, and, and impress them. Even the guys that aren't that good, you're going to have to impress them because that's the way the game is played. Until it changes... Everybody's just got to approach it that way. It's a crummy way to do business, that I will say, but I don't see any alternative. That wraps up this week's show. Thank you so much for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Sooner Schooner Show. I'm Eric G. Say, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to paraphrase Don Cornelius, love, peace, and sports.